0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download
1: our mobile app from the App Store.
0: It's a wonderful life. It's been our backdrop here all month long. Standing here in this 1940s radio studio talking about a story that has many images for us that have biblical parallels. George Bailey, the central character in the story of It's a Wonderful Life. He had a bit of tunnel vision early on. Yeah, he was kind. He, uh, he was there for people in their crises. He was helpful. He set, he set aside thoughts of himself, and he did what was needed to be done when it was needed to be done. But like all of us, the man had dreams. He had ambitions. He had goals for his life. And there were times when those dreams, when those ambitions, they had him seeing no one but himself. Now, then a, a crisis arose, and George's life and this time he wasn't going to take it. Uh, This is enough. George was on the brink and he wasn't going to sacrifice himself this time. The situation looked bleak. It appeared his business was going to fail. There was a discrepancy in the books. He was out 8,000 bucks and That doesn't seem like much, but in today's dollars, that was nearly $100,000. So what was he facing? Well, he was facing bankruptcy and scandal. He was likely to be arrested for a crime he didn't even commit. He was sure to face prison time. The whole city would be talking about him, of course. His name would be in all the papers, telling the whole sordid tale. And what would this mean for his family? For his family, there would be shame, poverty. His kids would face ridicule. His wife, everyone would be talking about her behind her back. His archenemy, if you were here last week, we saw his archenemy, Mr. Potter. The, the picture of evil in the whole story. He laughed in George's face, and he said, George, you're worth more dead than alive. Now, what's the guy gonna do? His mind raced. He was consumed with despondency. And what was his thought? What was he gonna do at a time like this? And he came to this crucial decision I'm just going to end it all, throw myself off a bridge at least his family would have the life insurance. Now, George's case, it's a bit extreme. When we hit a low point in our life, not everyone goes to the, the rail of the bridge and stands there with those overwhelming thoughts of ending it all. But many have, and many others And probably all of us at some point or another in our life, we have these questions about life. What is it all about? What's its meaning? What's its purpose? Is there any value here at all? Is there any worth? There's been so much written about this, poems, plays, songs, movies, and they've all wrestled with this topic. What is the meaning of life? And it seems that if you're human, life can bring you down at some point or another to this fundamental question. Is it worth carrying on? And there's great biblical characters that offer us examples. They've been at this point. They've been to this place where they question. Elijah is a uh, an example. This guy was a great prophet. Ah, he faced many challenges. Many more than a guy like George Bailey. This guy confronted all kinds of things. Things that were strange, weird, bizarre, trials, tribulations, but he took them on. He confronted them. And what he faced, none of us would want. We probably wouldn't even wish it on our enemies. But Elijah was an overcomer. He overcame all of those challenges until one point, one day, there was the crisis. The queen of Israel, she threatened his life. And she said to Elijah, before today's over, this is it. You're going down. You will be dead before the day is over. Elijah had faced all kinds of things, but for whatever reason, this pushed him to that brink. His life had been threatened by Queen Jezebel, and that was it. So he ran. He ran. He took off to the wilderness. He found a bush. He parked himself under it, and he said, enough is enough. And this was... His prayer, he said to God, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. Well, there's there's the George Bailey story right there. King Solomon, he's another one who wondered, what is this all about? He sort of journaled the, the whole concept in the book of Ecclesiastes. And he documented this. I hated life. All of it is meaningless. Nothing, nothing seems worthwhile. Then there's that man of sorrows. Job is his name. Job lost it all. Here's a guy that suffered deep, deep emotional pain because he lost his entire family, except except for that one, that wife, that wife of his who said, What did she say? Curse God and die. Thankfully, God left her around, right? Yeah. You want to talk about emotional pain and suffering? That guy went through it. And then, of course, he had all kinds of physical pain, boils that he had to scratch with broken pottery. And where did Job end up? He ended up at this place. Why didn't I die at birth? Then there's Jeremiah, another one of God's famous prophets. This man was so despondent, he cursed the very day he was born. He said, my birthday, may it never be blessed. Let's blot that day off the calendar. Why did I ever come out of the womb? to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? And that's just a few. That's just a few examples from the Old Testament about the human condition and the human state of getting to that point. Then there's the New Testament. And there's examples there, and I'll give you one. The great Apostle Paul He wrote about the trouble and the pain and the suffering he endured in the province of Asia with his young helper, Timothy. And he wrote this, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. And have you ever been there despairing of life itself? When you're down, when you've come home and you just don't know what to do anymore. You don't know what to think anymore. That day has taken you deeper and deeper into a pit. And so you just throw yourself on the sofa, you curl up, and you you put your face into the back, and you just close your eyes, and you wish everything would go away. Everything. Even life itself. I'm done. I am done. When you're at one of those times... Remember, you're in good company. The greatest apostle of the New Testament had at times despaired of life itself. And of course, those Old Testament standouts, those great characters of the Old Testament, even the fictional George Bailey, he's not that far from reality. Whatever you say, whatever. Really? Really? Seriously? That's what you're thinking. All those biblical characters, well, they had a direct connection to God, didn't they? Sure, Elijah, he wanted to end it all. But what happened to him? Oh, yeah, God came and talked to him. God showed him earthquakes, and God showed him big fire, and God, you know, blew, blew wind, and then. God spoke to him in that still, quiet voice. And Job, yeah, yeah, you give me the example of Job who lost it all, but he was restored. Job was restored with with more than he ever had in the first place. Oh, and Solomon, yeah, great. Give me that example, right, Solomon, with all his uh, riches, despite his complaints, he never lacked a thing, he always had his riches and his kingdom and, and, and he had a great time of peace and building. Well, you want to talk about Jeremiah? Sure, yeah. Well, he was rescued. I know that story. He lived a, he lived a long life. And now you're going to tell me about this fictional guy, George Bailey. Oh, it's his story. God dispatched an angel. Oh, he had an angel come and help him out. So don't talk to me about those characters, you might be saying. When I'm overwhelmed, when my heart is full of pain and and I'm overwhelmed with sadness, it's unpreventable, it's untreatable, these words that you give me from the Bible, they are meaningless. God's not talking to me directly. I got no earthquakes. I got no wind. I got no fire coming before me. What do I have? Who do I have when all I want to do is just give up? I got no angel. I got nobody. Let's talk about who you have. Let's talk a little bit about Christmas. The coming of Jesus. We've got no visible angel standing here next to us, talking to us. That's right. We've got no visible signs. You know, the earth isn't trembling. I have a, we've got no fire in front of us. We've got no howling wind. But we have Jesus. We have Jesus. He is the giver of life. And life, that is the reason that Jesus came to this earth. Consider this. Jesus On one occasion, he was talking to the religious leaders of his day, and he declared to them his purpose for being here. He used an illustration, something everyone at that time was familiar with, sheep and shepherd. There's a flock. There's a shepherd that takes care of that flock. And he used this illustration, and he said this. This is John chapter 10. Verses 10 and 11. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they, meaning the sheep of the flock, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And another time, to these same leaders, Jesus said this. This is John chapter 5 and verse 24. Truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes on him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into damnate and shall not come into damnation, but is escaped from death to life. Now when you're at the brink, when you're standing on the edge and you're at the end of your rope and you're believing life is worthless, there's nothing to look forward to, there's no reason for me to be here, don't believe that lie. Do not believe the lie of the thief who would like you to believe that your life really has no value. And he would gladly steal your life because he's come to kill and destroy. Remember the words of Jesus. I have come. He's come to this earth for what? Why? That they may have life and have it to the full. They being the sheep of his flock. Jesus invites you to come into that flock. Jesus invites you to be part of his kingdom, so that life takes on new meaning, so that life takes on new purpose, in the here and the now, like we see with this fictional guy, George Bailey, when he's crying out to God, I wanna live again, I wanna live, and suddenly things change for him, and he sees the world in a completely new way. You can have that life, and you can have life to the full now, No way, no way, you say. No, I believe in Jesus, that's fine. But you just don't get it. My family is constantly trying my patience. I can't seem to keep a job. I'm behind on my bills. They're threatening to shut off the power. I haven't paid the water bill in months. I don't even know if I'll be able to keep the house warm this this winter. It's so disheartening. I've got hopes and I've got dreams, but I'm in in constant pain or I'm all alone. You might say some of these things or even others. And then where is this life? Where is this life to the full? Well, have you been here on Wednesdays or Tuesdays over the last few months? You know we just finished the book of James. You might be thinking, well, didn't that James guy write about pain and suffering and trials and tribulations? Isn't that what life's all about? And how is that even life to the full? Yeah, sure, absolutely, he did. He wrote about the reality of pain and suffering, trials and tribulations, but he wrote this right when he opened his letter. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Of course he wrote about pain and suffering and trials and tribulations. He wrote it for a purpose. He wrote it so that we could learn to lean on Jesus. So that we could discover that God gives generously when we ask for help. He wrote it so that we could learn that if we desire to be closer to God, he'll be closer to us. Life with Jesus in the here and the now can be life to the full, whatever the circumstance, whatever you're facing. Because when we turn our life over to Jesus, that's monumental. It is life-altering. It's life-changing. It's life-renewing. And if you're living outside of Jesus, if you're living without him, you're lost and you're in the dark. You are in a state of death. That is the picture that we read in the Gospels. It's a from death to life experience coming to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who coined a term. Jesus coined this term, born again. That is a life-altering term. He said, you need to be born again. He said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. That's John chapter three, verse three, and then he repeats it again just a few verses later in John three, seven. You must be born again, must. We see this this illustration of a guy like George Bailey who desperately wanted to live. And he prayed, God, I want to live And his life was altered for the better because he was crying out to God to live. And he discovered then a joy and a happiness and a peace that transcended the external circumstance of his life. His joy was no longer based on how successful he was. He didn't care what people thought of him anymore. What was it about how much money he had accumulated? That was nothing the way that he's measured up to others in the community, his position, his station in society, whatever trouble he was facing, none of it mattered anymore. And that's the secret. This is exactly the kind of wonderful life or full life, life to the full that that Jesus calls it. And it comes to us as a free gift through faith in Christ. And when we do that, we're born again. George gives us an image of life. He gives us an image of moving from death to life. And when he did live again, he saw life completely, completely differently. And so it is with Christ. He came. And he invites you to be born again. That you might have life and you might have it to the full. But you've got to be willing to put aside your life. You've got to be willing to abandon your way and follow his way. Give your life to him. And in turn, he does something. He gives his life for you. That's the picture here of the good shepherd where he says, he lays down his life for the sheep. And the laying down of his life... Jesus beat out death, he was victorious over death, he died for us so that we'd win something beyond this life, eternal life. And that's the promise in Christ, it's everlasting, it's forever, it doesn't end. It's a forever eternal life and that is something that we can live for in the here and the now. You know, most people, when they're having that time where they're curled up on the couch and they just are saying, I'm giving up, that's it, I'm done, I'm checking out of this life, don't wake me up. They're struggling with something. And mostly it's just struggling with, how do I really get the help that I need with what I'm dealing with? And that help is here. That help is in Jesus And I want to tell you, he's got no magical erasure to just take care of all your problems. That's not going to happen. You know, you come to Christ and you got a broken leg, you still got a broken leg after you say I'm born again. Well, now what? See, Jesus isn't here to just get rid of and wash out life's trials and tribulations. No, no, he's here to help you live through these trials and to see them in a completely different way, to see them with an eternal eye. The book of James, with all its talk of trials and tribulations, has this as its very essence. With Jesus, you can live through anything. Christ does come to assist us in the here and the now. But remember also, what I read from John chapter five, truly I say to you, he who hears my words and believes on him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into damnation, but is escaped from death to life. See, Jesus can give us life to the full now and life everlasting. That's a future, eternal, everlasting Because of Jesus. And that is something that can motivate daily living, regardless of what we're going through. Jesus, in everlasting life, is why Paul could write things like this to the Philippian church. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. The apostle went on to say, though, I haven't attained it. I haven't grasped it yet no, no, I'm living this life and I'm going through all kinds of trouble. And of course, he had mentioned what he'd gone through in the province of Asia, despairing of life itself. But he said, I want to know Christ, yes, and the power of his resurrection, but I have not yet attained it in this life, but let me tell you, I'm living for it. And he looked forward to his eternity and he looked forward to everlasting life and he went on and he wrote this to that church in Philippi, Philippians 3, 12 to 14. He wrote, Not that I have already obtained all of this, meaning the resurrection and eternal life and living with Jesus in the eternal kingdom. Not that I have already uh, obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. And he's talking about this life. I press on in this life and I take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I'm living forward towards something. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Living for Jesus now, living for Jesus today, living for Jesus here in the present is an upward aim, strain. Toward what is ahead, the apostle wrote. I press on, I'm pressing heavenward to eternal life because I got something to live for. And that's the goal, that's the prize of this life, the heavenward call that's in Christ Jesus. And that's something to live for. Yeah, I've had some bad days. I've had some down days. You know, we we all have. I've had some of those down days like that, uh, like that song by um, Daniel Powder. My blue sky's faded to gray. My passion's gone away. And I don't need no carrying on because I've had a bad day. I've had a bad day. Now, that song can resonate with a lot of us, right? I've had a bad day and I sing a sad song. I've, I've sung some sad songs even recently been down i've had bad days been depressed and recently i've had i had a bad day really bad day and i had someone say something to me and it wasn't words of advice no no it wasn't a three-step formula to fix my problem no it wasn't even a statement but a question yeah i was asked a question I was asked a question in this just state of that's it. I had one of those curl up on the sofa days. And my good wife, your pastor Julie, asked me a question. And this is what she asked. Where is your joy in Jesus? Jesus. And that was like an arrow to my heart that stung, and that burned, and it burned in me a bit. But I had to ask that question to myself, where is my joy in Jesus? I wasn't visited by some visible angel who told me things I never knew or exposed the future or gave me some big secrets. I didn't feel the earth shake. No, there was no earthquakes or wind or fire or none of that. I did not hear God's audible voice. Just a question from someone who cared for me and loved me Where is your joy in Jesus? Had He not come to give life and life to the full? Didn't I know this? Of course. Of course, of course Jesus did. I'm having a bad day. And despite the bad day experience, despite whatever's happening, life is worthwhile. Life is worth the living. Jesus offers a wonderful life because in him, my assurance isn't just for the present. It's not just for the moment. No, no, it's for ever. It's life everlasting oh yeah i had to remind myself of that i had to look in the mirror and say buddy where's your joy in jesus you know pick yourself up and look up press on toward the prize of your heavenward call in christ jesus why was i falling for the lie of the one who would want to steal kill and destroy no 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 jesus came on christmas to give me life, to give you life, to give us all life right now and forever, everlasting with him. Yeah, our Jesus is on the throne. He's on the throne. And there's no power that can overthrow him. Thank God. Praise the Lord. There's no power that can overthrow him and he shall reign forever and ever because of our Lord's sacrifice. Because I have Jesus in my heart, I have life everlasting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know where you're at this morning, but you know it seems that this time of year, for whatever reason, Christmas, with all the families coming together, a great time to celebrate is often a time where people find themselves in that pit. They find themselves lonely. They're having that day where they curl up and they just say, I'm gonna give it all up. I'm all alone, you just don't get it. You're not. You're not. You know, in the here and now, Jesus can help you. And we can pray and we can ask for his help. And we've been doing that here for the whole month out at the uh, both ends of the lobby. We've set up these prayer stations, and we've had many put cards up. And there are some pretty compelling prayer needs on those tables. As a staff, we've made our way through during the week to pray over these needs, and we're gonna keep doing it. And today, I invite you to take some time to pray. Ask the Lord to help you. Ask him to renew that joy of Jesus inside you. Ask him to to take away the lie of the evil one who's come to steal, kill, and destroy and rob you of life to the full now. You can live life to the full now even even in the pain. You can live through it with Jesus. He'll help you, he'll carry you. And if you want to talk to him this morning, I invite you to these altars. And we have some, will come and pray with you. Or if you want to take the time on your way out at either end, just to write your need down. And on Christmas Eve, we're gonna just take some time to gather all those needs together and pray over them together in unity. As I've said, we've been doing it through the weeks, all the ministers here and those on staff. But we're gonna take time I encourage you to let the Lord know. Make your requests known unto him. He'd want us to do that. This morning as we sing and pray as we go, I invite you to stand to your feet. And as we sing this final song, if you want prayer, come on forward. Right here at these altars, our God will meet you Jesus has come to give you life and life to the full. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're on the throne, that you reign forever and ever. Lord, we just lay our hearts to the cross this morning. And if there's any in this room, any in this house that are down there despondent, Lord, they've lost that joy in Jesus. God, I pray you'd meet them today. May they have that joy of their salvation renewed like the very day they were born again. God, I pray that you would touch those hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And if there's any in here who've never come to the cross, they've never come to Christ, they haven't realized that if I just yield my life, if I turn from my way to his way, life will be different, it'll be new. God, I pray any in this room that are saying right now, God, I need that, I need Jesus. Lord, receive their prayer, receive their hearts, and bless them. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for those who've stepped forward meet their need, God. For any that would take time to write a need, God, we just are placing it before you right now. And bless your people as they go, God. May your hand be with them. May May your hand carry, Lord, into this week as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, may it just bring joy. May it bring joy that never ceases in our life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless every single family represented here, God. Carry them, keep them until we return again to raise up your name and praise you. And Father God, we ask it all in the name of our precious
1: Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.